All right, you're in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 25. Okay, so we are, we are uh, currently in a, in a series on the study of Proverbs uh, on Sunday mornings called Words to Live By. So Pastor Todd, uh, two weeks ago, whenever he kicked off this series, one of the things that he's talking about wisdom, he, he encouraged us to, uh, to uh, begin to read. If you haven't, to begin to read. If you never have, begin to read uh, through Proverbs. Read one proverb every day. Typically, there's 31 Proverbs. Typically, there's 31 days in every month. I think like this month, there's only 30. But typically, so there's a, people say there's a proverb for every day. So Pastor Todd encouraged us to do that. And I remember I used to do that when I first got saved. I kind of, I follow a different, kind of my own reading plan every year as I read through the Bible. And so I was just stirred up when he said that. I said, you know what, I want to start doing that again too. Right now, especially while we're in this series, I'm going to start reading through uh you know, as part of my, my reading time, read one proverb, the proverb of the day. Of the day. So on, on, on Monday, it was chapter, it was Monday the 4th. So chapter 4, I was reading, and there was a few verses that jumped out at me. And, and I, I wanted to share those, uh, those with you tonight. Three verses at the end of, of Proverbs 4.25, uh, beginning in verse 25, it says this in the New Living Translation. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Let's go ahead and pray over our time in the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We know that your presence and your power is here tonight. We thank you that your word is powerful. It's awesome, living and true and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, convict us. Lord God, move us from uh, from where we are, Lord God, to a greater level uh, of faith, a greater level of intimacy with you. And wherever we are, I know there's many different people here from that are on different parts of their journey. I just ask that you would use me tonight to speak to each and every person here and give us all the grace, Lord God. Help me to receive as well. Give us all the grace to apply what we hear tonight to our lives. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In these three verses of scripture, we see a few ways to stay productive and protected in every walk of life. And that's what I titled this, this message tonight. It's called Productive and Protected. And you'll see why as, as these things, it talks about ways that I believe, some practical ways that we can be productive in every area of our life, but also how in being productive, we can also be protected in, in how we live our lives each and every day. So we're going to jump right into it. Number one, the first thing we see in this, in these scriptures, number one, is that you have to focus what's in front of you. You must focus on what's in front of you. Look what it says in Proverbs 4, 25. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead. He really, he, he, he says two different things here, but it means the same thing. Look straight ahead and then fix your eyes. This is not a glance. He's saying look ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. You know, it makes me think about when we're driving. You know, when you're driving, you actually, obviously you got a rear view mirror and you can peek in the rear view mirror, you know, but if you look in the rear view mirror too long, you know, you're going to crash. You're going to go off kilter. Or in, in our day and age, if you look at your radio too long, you look at your cell phone too long. I know nobody in here does that. Ever text or emails or checks or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? But if you take your, road, your eyes off of the road just a little bit, Things aren't going to go well. You won't be too protected if you're not looking if you, as you're driving, you know, a vehicle. Matter of fact, we have a ditch right, uh, a ditch right in front of our house. And um, if you're familiar with Old Spanish Trail right here in Scott, our ditch there's no shoulder at all. It's like blacktop and ditch. And since we've been there for eight years now, how many? If you had to guess, 
10, anywhere, I would say 8 to 10 vehicles as well as an 18-wheeler has gone in our ditch. And I think the reason why is because there's no shoulder on that road. And if you take your eyes off of the road even for a minute, you're going to go in that ditch. You're going to, I mean, some people have just went in the ditch and came out. Some people have got stuck in the ditch. This one guy actually went in the ditch, went over the COVID, passed through my mailbox and my telephone pole and just kept going. I don't know how he still had a vehicle left, but my mailbox was in shambles. The, you know, so, but it, it, it tells us it, when you're driving, you have to look straight ahead. You need to fix your eyes on the road, right? I know we, none of us do a, a perfect job of that, and we're not going to be perfect in any of this. But listen, we'll never be productive in life and live our life to a full potential if we continue to dwell on the past. Listen to this. You can learn from the past. You just can't live there. Let me say that again. You can learn from the past. You just can't live there. It's good to learn from past mistakes and whatnot, but don't live in the past. Don't continue to dwell on past mistakes, shortcomings, events. You know, I, I was thinking about this as I, as I was reading this Monday morning. I just begin to ponder on this. I begin to think at how we waste so much precious time and energy when we continue to replay past mistakes. We waste time and energy. And why, why, why do I say energy? Well, when you replay an event or a conversation or a mistake from the past, I don't know about you. Let me just talk about me. I get worked up emotionally, just like I'm back in that situation. You ever do that? You ever like had a conversation with somebody that was maybe, uh, like they say in church circles, a heated moment of fellowship, you know, right? And, and things maybe get a little, and as you think about that, you start replaying it. You're, the same emotions come up in you that, that was there whenever you have an actual, sometimes even more. Because then you start thinking about, man, you know, I should have said this. I should have said that. I should have, when he said that, when she said that, I should have said. And you get all worked up. And then what happens, you ever, it's kind of like after you have a good cry. You know, after you have a good cry, you maybe had a real emotional day, you cried. You exhausted after that, right? Kinetra knows what I'm talking about. You get, you get exhausted just replaying the past and past thoughts. You're wasting time, first of all. Cause, cause, cause it, it already happened. You can't, you, you can't do anything about it. You're wasting time and then you're wasting precious energy. You need as much energy and I do. We need as much energy and focus as possible for the present time we're living in and for what lies right in front of us. He said, look at what's straight ahead. Focus on what's ahead. You need all the, the time and energy you have now to be productive in the present, whether it be at your job, your relationships, your walk with the Lord. And, and this is general, and I may hit on some of these, but in all those areas, if I say, man, you know what? I really blew it. I didn't read every proverb of the day last year. I should have probably did that. Man, I wonder how much wisdom I would have got if I would have read the proverb of the day last year like I'm doing this year. Man, I probably, I could have read a whole proverb by the time I finished thinking about all that, right? You see, you know, and it's, it's so true. He says, listen, look straight ahead. Keep focus on what's right in front of you. Put that scripture up again, Doug. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies ahead. Don't keep looking back. Again, we can learn from the past, but we shouldn't live there. Whether it's work, school, or relationship, or your walk with the Lord. Now listen, I have some go-to scriptures, but and, and, and you've, you've heard me use this scripture, but it's so good. It's one of my favorite ones because I think a lot of us get caught up in doing what I'm encouraging you uh, to do right now. By looking, by not being focused on front, but looking in the past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. This is a go-to scripture for me, for me personally. No, dear brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul talking, I have not achieved it, but I focus. Listen to what he says. I focus on this one thing, 
forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me. Amen? He says, I forget the past and I focus on what's in front of me. Now, the Apostle Paul was speaking specifically about our walk with the Lord, our walk of faith here on the earth, and then heaven. He was talking about, listen, because he talked about how, if you, 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 you're familiar with Paul's story and his life, he was one that was persecuting Christians, trying to get Christians killed, thrown in jail. And so he, he, he came against the church for so many years that he said, you know what, I'm going to forget about all that and I'm going to press on to what lies ahead. You know, because he could have beat himself up time and time again about all the bad he did to Christians, and it would have kept him from reaching out to be to making new Christians. And aren't you glad that Paul didn't focus on the past? We probably wouldn't be sitting here today, and we wouldn't have most of the New Testament that I'm reading from at this very moment. Amen? Paul knew something. He knew the secret was, you know what, forgetting what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead. Again, this is specific to eternity, and we'll talk about that again later. But, you know... Paul, the Apostle Paul wasn't the only one talked about. Don't you love when you see the same thread all through Scripture? We read it in Proverbs. We read what the Apostle Paul said. But before the Apostle Paul said that, smacked in between the epistles and Proverbs, we have the Gospels. And the Lord Jesus Christ said it himself. Luke 9, 62. But Jesus told them, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He says the same thing. He says, listen, and when it comes to our walk with the Lord, when you, you can't be haphazard or half-haps. Should I say, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. You can't be halfway. <laughs> Kelly's laughing at me, right? You can't be halfway. Part of me is laughing because you feel my pain, huh, Kelly? <laughs> you can't be halfway. When, when it comes to, to, to soul out Christianity, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. That's what Jesus was saying. When you put your hands to the plow, if you look back, you're not worthy for the kingdom of God. That's what he was talking about. But listen, when you put your hand to the plow in anything in life, the only way you'll be productive is to look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you, right? And you see, I, I, I was using a modern-day illustration of what Jesus was saying. Back then, they didn't have vehicles. They would plow, right? They would plow with oxen and, and whatnot. So he was saying, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back and you don't try to help control the oxen, your rows in your fields are going to be doing that, right? They'll be all messed up. In our day and age, if you look back in a vehicle, you're going to crash. You're going to hurt or kill yourself or somebody else. So listen, once we put our hands to the plow, whether it be at your job, whether it be at school, hey, listen, whether it be your marriage, when you put your hands to the plow of your marriage, don't look back. Man, I wonder what it'd be like to be single now. I wonder what, what it, man, I wonder if I should have got married this young. Once you put your hand to the plow and you say, I do, you yoked up to that plow, Right? I, I know that could go a different direction. I'm not, I said the plow. I didn't use any other uh, examples. You're yoked up to the plow of marriage and don't look back, right? Don't think about, man, should I have married that person? Should I have? No. Once you, whatever it is, work, school, marriage, your relationship with the Lord. Once you surrender your life to Christ and you say, Lord, I am yours. You are my Lord and Savior. Listen, Jesus said, if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Amen? We need to look what's ahead. And we got a glorious, glorious home ahead of us. Amen? I'm talking about today, this day, I'm, I'm hoping this helps you from, from work tomorrow morning all the way to heaven. Amen? That's my goal tonight in all of these areas. Amen? Number two, make plans and do your best to stick to them. Now, I know for some personalities, we talked about personality types and I've read up on personalities. Some of you personality types, when I said this just now, you've checked out on me. You're like, stick to plans. That's not fun. Who does that? 
That's why I said do your best to stick to them. Because I know there's, there's one personality uh, flip flipping calls the quick draw. And the quick draw is the person that like starts doing something and after a while says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep doing this. After a while they get bored and like, I want to go do this instead. Let's, let's go do this. But let me try to help you out. I believe that Proverbs talks about, well, I know it does. This scripture, and I'm going to give you one that specifically talks about the importance of planning. Proverbs 4.26. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Mark out a straight path. Mark out a path is, is saying you got have a plan. It's good to make plans. You should, in the practical, plan your day, plan your week, plan your time with the Lord. If, if we always encourage you to have daily time with the Lord. And if you just hope that that's going to happen, it probably won't happen. You have, we talk about that in the next steps, guys. You got to plan out your time. With, when do you spend time with the Lord personally every day? Is it in the morning? Is it at your lunch break? Is it at night before you go to bed? If you're just like, yeah, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord tomorrow. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to, to be negative, but I'm telling you, if you don't plan it out, it's not going to happen. Just like time with the Lord, exercise. If you don't plan, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the gym sometime this week. If you're like me, that will not happen, right? Plan out meals if you want to eat better. Whatnot. Plan out spending time with your family. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm working on all of these. You got to plan. You got to plan these things. Plan time off. You know what? Plan. If you're, you're, you, we all run busy lifestyle. It's good to plan out time off. Man, look at the calendar. When am I going to take some time off to rest? When am I going to take some time off to spend time with my family? When am I going to take, spend time with my wife? Take my wife on a date. Take my daughters on a date. Do what not. I got a plan. I'm taking my youngest daughter on a date this weekend. Plan it out. You got to plan out those kind of things. You got to plan your time with the Lord. It's, it, it, it's so good to have a plan. Why? Look, look Proverbs 21.5. Staying in the vein of Proverbs here tonight. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. So I know if your personality types are quick draw, I'm sorry. The Bible clearly talks about good planning, right? It's good to plan it out. I can tell there's a lot of people in here just like, I'm not feeling this. But I'm telling you, it's good to have a good plan and then try to execute. It says good planning and hard work. Hard work is trying to execute the plans that you have, right? You've probably heard it said, there's a saying, it's so good. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You ever heard that? If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. You know, and I believe that's the, the reason for the second part of the verse. Put that verse back up there, Doug, if you don't mind, sir. It says to uh, I'm sorry, the other one before, the uh, verse uh, 24, 6, I think it is. Right? Yeah, 426. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then look what it says. Stay on the safe path. Stay on the safe path. And as I begin to study that, I begin to, begin to look at it. Why does it say to plan out or mark out a straight path and stay on the safe path? Because when you don't plan your day out, there's a better chance of wasted time or spending your time on the wrong things. You know, you can be busy and not be productive. Did you know that? You can be busy about all kinds of stuff at work. You can be even busy about kingdom stuff and not be productive. You can be busy, but if you have a plan, especially a God-given plan when it comes to things of the kingdom, but at work or your daily life, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a student and you go to school, it's good to have a plan. When are you going to do your homework? It's good to have a plan. If you don't plan out your day, good chance you'll be wasting your time or spending your time on the wrong things. What about this? If you don't have a plan for your finances, there's a good chance you'll be wasting your money and you'll get into debt. 
Dave Ramsey says you need to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where your money went. What does he mean? You need to have a plan. It's called a budget. You need a plan. When you get a check, you need a plan. Where is that money going? Where am I going to do with this money? Not just like, oh, man, I got a check. Let's go eat out. Let's go to the movies. Let's do all that. And then you go sit down and do your bills, and you're like, I ain't got enough money to pay my bills. You didn't have a good plan with your money. It's good to have a plan with everything in life and to stick to it. And again, most importantly, if you're struggling with a personal devotion time with the Lord, I encourage you, get a plan. Get a plan every day. I plan my time with the Lord according to, to my schedule. There's, there's certain meetings I have all during the week. So the, the time and how I spend time with the Lord is always in the morning, but the timing of it looks different on Monday and Wednesday than it does on Thursday, Tuesday, and Thursday. It's a di- but I have, I have to make sure that I have a plan that, that, cause you know what? I have a lot of meetings and around here in ministry, we meet with people, we counsel people, we have staff meetings and all that. But the most important meeting that I have every single day is my meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell a difference. If I miss that meeting, I, I, I can tell a difference. I've even heard Pastor Todd say, he said, you know what, if all I do in one day is spend time with the Lord and I didn't get anything else done, I remember him saying this, he said, I had a productive day. I had a productive day, and that's true. Now, if you work at a job where you got to, like, you get paid by the hour, you can't tell your boss that, okay? That's not going to work so well, all right? You're right? But as pastors, of course, uh, it's very important that for our own personal life, for all of us, to spend time with the Lord. But I agree. But what I find is that if I take my first part of the day spending time with the Lord, it might, you might feel like, oh, well, you know what? That, that's, man, I'm, I'm wasting time. I got all this work to do. I find when I spend my first, you know, time with the Lord in the morning, I'll be a lot more productive in the office doing all the other stuff I have to do, right? So we got to have a plan and try to stick to the plan. Amen? Number three, work at not getting sidetracked. Work at not getting sidetracked. I've heard a couple people sucking teeth and all kind of stuff. Proverbs 4.27, check this out. It says don't get sidetracked. It was hard for me to develop that point right there, right? Right? That tickled ashes right there. I, she could tell I worked hard on that one. It's very simple. Don't get sidetracked, right? Listen, we must stay focused in life. Remember what the Apostle Paul said, dear brothers and sisters? I have not achieved it, but I what? I focus on this one thing. You know, there's always going to be something in life, especially in our day and age, that will distract us. Isn't that right? There's so many things that can distract us. We're so easily distracted nowadays, especially with technology. I was thinking about this today. Have you ever picked up your phone to call somebody, maybe email somebody to check the weather, and you pick up your phone, and like, I'm calling, I'm going to call James. I need to call James. I pick up my phone, and I have a text message on there. And I read the text message, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I respond to that text message, and then I put my phone down, and I walk away. What just happened there? I got sidetracked. I picked my phone up to make a phone call. But there was a text message there. Maybe it's an alert. Maybe you have your, your notifications for social media or, or bleacher report or the weather, or the news, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I don't have any notifications except for my email and my text on my phone. You know why that is? You want to take a while, I guess? Because I was getting sidetracked a lot. I was getting distracted a lot. I was trying to work and pick up my phone and email somebody or text somebody or, or put something on my calendar. And I pick up my phone and I have two or three. Oh, look, what's going on? Who said, who said that on Facebook? What, who, game three tonight at the finals? What, what time they play? And before you know it, I put my phone down and I'm like, I'm wasting time here. 
I'm distracted. I'm sorry. All right, do y'all live in the same area that I live in? Does that happen to you? Yeah? Okay, all right, good. I mean, it's not good, but I'm glad I'm not the only one. What happened? We got sidetracked. Now, it's bad when you do that at work and maybe lose some productivity or around the house you're trying to get stuff done. But it's really bad when we get sidetracked from relationships with the ones we love and especially our relationship with the Lord. That's whenever things really get bad, when we get distracted from, from the most important things in life. And that's relationships with our loved ones, our brothers and sisters, our friends, and especially the Lord. You know, there's a classic story, and a lot of us in this room have heard it, have read it. You maybe even have taught it, done Bible studies on it. But, but again, there's a word in there in the New Living that jumps out at me. It's, and it's the story of Martha and Mary in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, "Dear, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was distracted. She got distracted or sidetracked by all the work she had to do, and it affected her relationship with her sister and her time with the Lord. She was sitting in the very presence of Jesus himself. The King of kings and the Lord of lords was in her house. Now listen, I get it. You have somebody at your house, especially in Cajun country, we get it. Somebody comes over, man, we eat and shout, we cooking something, right? I get it. That's great. It's great hospitality. But what happened? Cooking a meal and serving a meal, being a good host, that's great. Nothing wrong with that, right? Just like there's nothing wrong with social media and, you know, sports and all that stuff. I just used it. That's nothing wrong with that stuff. But what happened? She got so sidetracked by that. She got distracted. One, it came in between her and her relationship with her sister. She got mad at her sister. Can't you hear her tone? Tell my sister to come help me. She's being lazy, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, but you hear the tone in her voice, right? She's mad. She got upset with her sister. And then this was a great time to sit in the Lord's presence. Yeah, get the food done, serve the food, do all of that kind of stuff. But she had an opportunity to sit in the very presence of Jesus. But she got distracted. She got sidetracked. She, she deemed the, the food and the work more important than relationships in her life then the relationship with one of her closest family members, her sister, and then the Lord Jesus himself. Listen, I've been talking about this evening about being productive at work, school, around the house, all that stuff. And that's great. I want you to do it. We need to do that. But listen, if you're, if, you're, if you're working at a business, if you own a business, that's great. The Lord wants you to be, we just read, good planning, hard work, brings back prosperity. That's great. But if those things are distracting you from your relationship with Jesus, you're getting sidetracked. You're getting sidetracked. Amen? Those things are great in itself, but we can't get distracted. We can't get sidetracked by them. Don't allow anything to sidetrack you from your family, your true friends, and especially your relationship with Jesus. Y'all tracking with me tonight? Some, some, some very simple and practical principles out of the book of Proverbs. And again, you know, these things will help us in every area of life, both at home, in our marriages, schoolwork, whatever the case may be. And then the fourth and final thing 
is we need to stay walking down the Lord's path. I love how he ends these three verses. We need to stay walking down the Lord's path. Proverbs 4.27 says, keep your feet from following evil. Keep your feet from following evil. Now look earlier in chapter 4 in verses 14 and 15, he says this. Don't do as the wicked do and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. This goes right along with being sidetracked, right? But now we're talking about our life. Now we're talking about our walk with the Lord. Now we're talking about, you know, uh, our, our convictions and living holy and, and righteous. You remember a few weeks ago, uh, towards the end of the I Am series, I, I preached on the Lord, our righteousness. And I talked about living righteous and, and living a holy life. And so, you know, we can get distracted and sidetracked and end up following or going down the wrong path, an evil path. When I was thinking about this point, one, what I had jotted down in my Bible was just straight up, don't compromise. That's another way to say this. Don't compromise holiness. Don't compromise righteousness. Proverbs 14.2 says this. Those who follow the right path fear the Lord. Those who take the wrong path despise him. You know, when you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you, don't have, you won't have a desire to follow the wicked. Because you have a healthy fear of the Lord. What does fear mean? Me and a couple of brothers were actually talking about this just the other night. What does the fear of the Lord mean? What does that mean? Does it mean fearing God like God's going to pound you? No, in in essence, that word fear means a reverence, a respect. Now, there can be a healthy fear of like, man, if I don't, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I have a beautiful wife, four beautiful children. I have the greatest job in the world. And and, and yeah, I I don't want to lose this. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. Actually, and even before I got saved, some people was like, well, man, we shouldn't try to scare people into getting saved. I ain't going to lie. I was scared to go to hell. And I'm thankful I got saved, you know. That was one of the reasons that there was even a healthy fear of of the Lord and and eternal separation. But, you know, fear of the Lord is not that you're scared that God is going to pound you, but it's more of that you worried about breaking his heart. Like when I sin, when I start following the wicked, when I start even, the Bible says don't even think about it. Actually, there's another proverb that says you shouldn't even talk about what evil people do. On their own. Isn't that crazy? This says not to think about it. Later it says don't even talk about it. So, so you know, when you begin to, to think about it, then maybe talk about it, then you find yourself swaying back into sin, swaying back into things that, that you know breaks the Lord's heart. It's one thing to say like, man, you know what, God's going to punish me for this. It's another thing to think like, man, did I, just, did I just grieve the Lord right there when I did that? It's my life grievance to the Holy Spirit because the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's what a healthy fear of the Lord is. It's a fear that I, I don't want to grieve the Lord. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by my choices, by my lifestyle. Look what Proverbs 19.23 says. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. You remember I, I titled this message, Produ- uh, Productive and Protected. As the scripture, fear of the Lord leads to light and brings security and protection from harm. Again, I believe when we walk in holiness, when we walk in righteousness, when we live, walk upright. And remember, we talked about that. How do you know what righteousness is? You, you go to the Lord's, you go to the Lord's word to see his standard of righteousness. You get an appetite. Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be healed. You gotta cultivate an appetite for righteous living, for holy living. And that comes again. We tie this all back into when we worship. You know where that appetite comes? comes from spending time in God's presence. When you spend time in God's presence and you know God's real, you understand who he is and then what he did for us by dying a gruesome, torturous death on the cross, you don't want to sin anymore. 
You don't think it's okay to sin and God's just going to forgive me. Me and I, my brothers, they both here tonight, Lon and my buddy Seth's here. And, and we were talking about that grace is not a license to sin. Grace is empowerment not to sin. Amen. Matter of fact, I heard a pastor on the radio too. I, I, I was thinking about it earlier. I don't know if I get it right. He said grace is the ability and the empowerment not to sin, but also, again, to, to recognize and love people even whenever they're in sin, right? So we shouldn't follow the path of the wicked. We should be helping the wicked get off of that path and come down the righteous path. Amen? Fear of the Lord. And that all starts with the fear of the Lord. Living in the fear of the Lord protects us from going down the evil path. Remember Proverbs 4.26 says, stay on the safe path, right? So it, it's one thing about living righteous, living holy. Again, grace empowers us to do that. It's not, grace is not, now we know we save by grace through faith. Mercy is not getting what we deserve and grace is getting things we don't deserve. I'm a blessed man to be up here tonight, to have a beautiful wife and four beautiful children. And I, the list can go on and on. I, I, I could keep y'all here all night about the grace God has given me. So many things that I don't deserve. I, I get it. That is a part of grace. But the other part, Paul says there's a greater grace. And he says that when it went, in, my, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Whenever he had that thorn in his flesh and the Lord, he asked the Lord to take it away. What did the Lord say? My grace is sufficient. That kind of grace wasn't a grace to forgive. That kind of grace was an empowerment to walk through life and walk through trials. And it's also an empowerment to walk upright and live holy and righteous in all that we do. So don't compromise. Amen? Stay walking in the Lord's path. And then this is encouragement as I wrap it up. Look what it talks about now in Acts. Again, Proverbs, same thing. This, this walking in the Lord's path is a thread all through the Word of God from Proverbs to, to the New Testament, Acts 9.31 says this, The church then had peace through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? The church became stronger as they lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. I love that. When we live holy lives in the fear of the Lord, not only will we have peace, but we become stronger individually and as a church. Isn't that awesome? See, there's something about living holy lives. Again, it, it, some people think, well, man, if you, if you live upright, if you live holy, this kind of stuff, then people ain't going to want to have nothing to do with you. I, I beg to differ. If you live a holy life with the love of the Lord and love people that aren't living the same way with you, people are going to want what you have. I promise you. You know how I know that? I was one of the people. I was living a wicked lifestyle full of drugs and all kind of crazy stuff. And you know what? People that were leaving the clean, upright life, I desired that because they had part of what he said. They had peace. They had joy. They had a confidence in salvation. So if we can live, as I talked about before, if we can stand firm, which we can, by the grace of God, stand firm in our convictions and still love people well. Still love. There's a balance to love well. Love people that are far off from the Lord and not compromise. Your convictions, the word of God, are living a holy lifestyle. Amen. So it says we'll have peace. We'll grow stronger. And then it also says we'll increase in our influence. Because it says with the help of the Holy Spirit, the church also grew in numbers. So what does that tell you? As they lived in the fear of the Lord and lived holy lives, their influence increased. They reached more people. More people got saved and the church began to grow in numbers. You know, some people say, well, brother, God's not about numbers. I beg to differ. Yeah, first of all, he wrote the book of Numbers, so he is into numbers. Second of all, we see here, it's not all about numbers, but it says there that he, the church grew stronger. So that means spiritually they grew stronger, right? But they also grew in numbers. Listen, guys, our job it's to plunder hell and to populate heaven. That's our purpose here on, on the earth. 
is to get as many people to heaven as we can. That's our job here. One of our main jobs is to glorify God and to try to, to, to be a light to those that don't know the Lord, that are far away, that are hurting. And I, again, if we, don't, if, if, if we don't get sidetracked, if we look straight forward, even that, have a plan. How, how are you ministering to your family, to your friends and whatnot? And then stay walking down the Lord's path. This is a great way to be productive in the kingdom of God. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me as we close? You know, that scripture that I read in, in, in Philippians 4.13, uh, not 4.13, but in Philippians, uh, I believe it was chapter 4, though. It, and he said that... I focus on this one thing. I forget what lies behind. I press on it while I hit. Doug, throw, that, throw the Philippian scripture again up there. Um, 313, I'm sorry. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize of which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. See, there is a heavenly prize that we can receive but it's only through Jesus Christ it's only we will never make it to heaven on our own you could never be good enough to make it to heaven on your own you can never do enough you can never you can never uh, come to church enough you can never give enough money away you can never feed enough poor people you can never you could never take in enough orphans apart from Jesus Christ all those things are awesome and I think we need to do them all but when it comes to eternity, when it comes to salvation, and what Paul was talking about here is reaching the heavenly prize, the ultimate prize, is when we breathe our last here, we transition into eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do me a favor, every head bowed and every eye closed. The Bible makes it clear in Romans that we've all sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Then the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned, every one of us. And that because of our sin, we deserve death. And that word death means an eternal death, an eternal separation from the Lord. But thank God, the Bible says that, you know what? Jesus came down, John 3, 16, that he loved us so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, that word believe means to trust, would not perish. That's the same word, perish. And death is the same word, not perish eternally, but have everlasting life. So with every eye bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know, I don't know if I'm gonna receive that heavenly prize. The Bible makes it clear when we, we die, you either there's either heaven or hell. Again, I tell you earlier, I knew, I knew that both was real. Because there was something inside of me. I remember one night I was I was driving down the road with some buddies and we were going to get some drugs, and the and the the the, the vehicle we was in went around a curve and it went on two wheels and I remember thinking this is it I thought I was about to die and I'm not joking with you I remember thinking man this is it I'm about to die and I'm going to hell I had that thought in that moment the vehicle straightened out it kept going and I remember having that thought like man I thought I was about to slip into eternity and I knew that I wasn't right so whether this is your first time in church you've been in church a long time maybe you've been around church the Bible says that etern- God has placed eternity in the heart of every man or woman and we know that the eternity is real. Heaven and hell is real. God made a way for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Brandon, I was like you, man. I'm not sure. I, you know, I know I've sinned in my life and I haven't asked the Lord to forgive me, but I want to be made right tonight. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to receive that heavenly prize. I'm not sure, but I want to be sure tonight. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Lord helps you and that you get right tonight. We're going to take take some time. Anybody, see your hand in the back, sir. Anybody else? 
Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand over here, young man. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these two young men. Anybody else? Say, Brandon, I need to get right. It's okay for you two young men that raise your hand. Listen, the Bible makes it clear. He says that if we confess with our, our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It also says to repent of your sins. Repentance is not only confessing, but it's turning away from your sins. So as a church, as a family, we're all going to pray with you together. And it says the prayer of faith. Again, if you believe in faith and confess with your mouth, the, the Lord will save you tonight. So let's all pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sin. Lord, I turn away from my sin tonight, and I turn to you. Lord, I ask you that you would save me. Lord, I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord God, to come into my life and take control. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we give these young men a hand clap? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, as we give the Lord the glory. Hey, for you guys that raised your hand, if you've done that for the first time, or again, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer for the first time. There's a card in the pew in front of you, and it says, I made a decision. Do me a favor. Fill that card out. It takes about 30 seconds. You can go out to the lobby, drop it off at the info center. You can come give it to me or one of the pastors up here. And for the rest of us, hey, I just want to encourage you. Amen? Hey, let's be productive, right? Let's be productive in our own lives, in our work, our relationships, our relationship with the Lord, about kingdom business. Let's look straight ahead. Let's not get sidetracked. Let's try to make a plan for our everyday and what we're doing, especially with the Lord, and try to stick to it. Amen. And let's not follow any evil path. Let's stay on the Lord's path. Amen. Let me pray over you before we go. Father, I thank you for these, for the hearers of the word. Give us all grace and the ability, stamina, and endurance to apply it to our lives and walk it out every single day. Protect them as they go, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you. Have a good evening.